Linda, how are you doing Jason, today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, in, you know what? I, I'm doing great because it's a doable discipleship day. That's why yeah. I'm doing great. Um, Tuesdays are my favorite. Fr- I know. Friends, it's Doable Discipleship, a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your faith. Or um, as Linda is going to say, hmm, drum roll, how's it going to be today? As Linda is going to say, sing song, Ali. The show that helps you grow. Look at that. Look at that. Okay. Um, friends, we have fun with this. Um, so we, um, my name is Jason. This is Linda. We are part of the spiritual growth team here at Saddleback Church. And we just love getting to do these podcasts because we get to talk about a lot of fun, different things, just a lot of different topics that uh, are centered around helping us grow spiritually, helping us kind of work out this thing that we call discipleship. And so we just came out of a series um, and we are going to be now starting just this one episode talking about financial, emotional types. Um, Did you know that you have a financial, emotional type? Uh, Linda, did you know? (laughs) I suspected. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, so we are going to be joined by our friend Chris Goulard today. Chris um, is one of our pastors here at Saddleback, and he um, has spent many, many, many years thinking about kind of how to help people in this area of their financial health. And so, we're going to hear from him today, and uh, he's going to dive into kind of this this topic about trying to assess and determine your financial emotional type and then what you can do about it basically um and it's it was a it was a great conversation uh we've already had the conversation it was great and so i really hope that you <laughs> stay through to the end because we really dive into a lot of different stuff and then at the end you're going to hear some great resources if the area of f- financial health is something that you're just like uh it's yeah. uh you know i'm struggling or it's it's not something i want to think about then maybe stay through to the end and, and hear the resources that we talked about too so uh without further ado uh let's join chris goulard all right chris goulard thank you so much for joining us chris i don't know if you remember this you were, I believe, the very first guest to ever appear on Doable Discipleship. Did you know that? <laughs> I, I remember being on very early. I didn't know I was actually the first though. So I that, believe that you were episode three. I think it was Doug wow. and Rob, and then it was me and Doug, and then it was me, Doug, and you, I think, for the third episode. Um, so that was like, I think, four years ago or something like that right now. So <laughs> so thank you for coming back on the show. <laughs> hey, my pleasure. Congrats on doing a great job for four years. Thanks. It's been, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it's been four years because I think we have like 200 something episodes. So if you do the math, I think that's four years. Um, <laughs> um, but something yeah, like <laughs> so, so Chris, we are, are really grateful to have you back on, especially as we, we wanted to have a conversation around this idea of em- emotional financial types. And we thought there's no, no better person to have this conversation with than you. But I wanted to um, start. I, I now I know you've been on before, but probably a lot of people may not have listened to episode three of the podcast. So uh, I want to, if you could just tell our listeners a little bit about about you. Why is this topic so important to you? You know, your background, upbringing, what you're doing now, and and why this topic of emotional financial types is so important for you. 
Okay, great. Uh, there's several things there. Let me just kind of back up just a little bit and explain just part of my journey because I think it, it maybe will help people to understand, you know, where this developed and why. Um, I have a background in financial planning. I'm a certified financial planner and have been for more years than I care to admit. Um, <laughs> but uh, so that's that's where I started actually back in the East Coast. I had a financial planning practice and so forth. Uh, it, it stayed in the financial services industry for a lot of years, uh, but moved over to the institutional side and was transferred out to Southern California when I started attending Saddleback now 25 years ago. So um, that was, you know, kind of how I got out here. Once you know, once I got here and got really involved, people were saying to me, well, why don't you get involved? You're, you're a financial guy. People ask you questions. You're kind of an expert. Why don't you help people at the church? And I said, well, do churches do that? Like, I, don't, I didn't know that was a thing. Um, and it, of course, really isn't, frankly, or wasn't at the time. Um, but it, it kind of allowed me to sort of check out what, what we might do. So we started, I started teaching some classes at Saddleback. Just that, you know, as a volunteer, of course, and we eventually I launched the financial coaching ministry, which has been very successful over the years and still is today. Uh, great resource for people who want some help. We, uh, you know, throughout those classes, developed the financial freedom freedom workshop, which is a, a group coaching model, um, which has been very, very effective for many, many people going through it over the last, uh, I don't know, seven or eight years, whatever, since we started it. Um, so kind of my background's in financial services, but uh, as you know, came on staff as a pastor now 17 years ago. So again, a long time ago uh, to run the financial ministries and do some other things. Um, but my heart is really for people to understand God's principles. You know, the Bible talks more about money than almost any other topic. And most people don't realize that. Um, and so, and I, you know, I, my personal belief is that God put it in there because he knew it was, it's something that we'll struggle with uh, and need help with. Uh, and, it's, and it's a very practical, everyday type of subject. Uh, in, in the marriage context, it's one of the most common causes of arguments, what money is, um, right? So, and I would tell you, actually, it's really not the money that's the problem. It's other things behind that. And so um, when we started the financial coaching ministry many years, you know, now about 20 years ago, I thought we did a really great job. But what would happen once in a while is somebody would come up to me, you know, maybe on the patio after church, whatever, and I'd say, hey, how's it going? How's it? you know, we saw you six months ago, or things still going well, and I would get this sort of sheepish response, like, yeah, I did it for a while, but I kind of got back off track again, right, and yeah. um, it's almost like the kind of thing you hear when somebody's dieting, or whatever, where you kind of like, I did okay for a while, but then I stopped, mm -hmm. um, and so it led me to to really try and evaluate and understand why is that? And, and in, in a behavioral environment, like what, why is in human, if, if, if we know certain things are good for us, if we know certain things will lead to better outcomes, why do we not do them? And the short answer is it's emotional, um, almost always. And so I started really looking at with my experience and working with people for so many years with finances, what are those things that trip people up? In other words, what are the emotional situations, responses, and so forth that cause people to make poor financial decisions? Um, and my wife and I were speaking at some marriage conferences and started really evaluating it and developed these financial emotional types that we'll talk about today to help people to evaluate and understand where they're coming from and why. And then they can start to unpack why they actually are the way they are. So that's, so it gives you just you know, maybe a little bit of history there, but just to understand like where this came from and why my heart really was and is to help people experience financial freedom. That's, that's what God wants for us. It's very clear biblically. 
but when people get stuck, and I think the church has a great role to play in helping people get unstuck. Uh, and, and again, a lot of that's emotional. It's not just understanding how to do a budget. It's somebody has to actually implement the tools that they need and whatever their financial goals are. So, yeah. Yeah, that's great. So, uh, yeah. So I, I think what's important for people to understand and realize is, is, is we're not just talking about issues of the wallet or the pocketbook or the bank account, right? Is we're talking about issues of the heart and that's where these come in, you know, mm-hmm. really underlying that the deep underneath about, you know, is most of our, um, how we think about money is comes from this issue of, of our heart and, and what's going on inside. So, so Chris, why don't you kind of just give us an overview, if you will, about these five different emotional financial types that you've developed and to just help people kind of get a, a basic understanding of what we're talking about here. Okay. Terrific. So there, there are five types. Um, and let me just say at the outset, as we talk about them, it seems like they're super clear. And what I would say is, uh, from doing this over the years, usually about 80 or 80 or not, as we go through these, probably 80 or 90% of the people that are listening right now will immediately identify with one or sometimes two of the types. They'll go, okay, that's me, right? Um, but 10 or 20% struggle a little bit and, and you know maybe have a difficult time. Usually what I find is it's because there are two or three things going on and it's not just one. So it, it kind of clouds the issue a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes self-awareness can be something that, you know, that stops somebody from seeing it or lack of self-awareness. So, so as we get into them, let me just say, we'll go through all of them, but the background was as, as my wife, Jen and I really sort of, were trying to figure out, okay, what are the things that we see that catch people up? They pretty neatly actually fell into these five categories. And so it allowed us to kind of say, and, and, this, and I hate putting people in a box, but to say, here's the five categories that we tend to see. And then yeah. what's the, what is the, you know, the thinking and the feelings behind those things that lead to uh, the, the kind of behavior that we'll, that we'll look at. Um, so it, we wanted to have a model that helps people identify and evaluate where those struggles are coming from so that they can then address them. And we'll, you know, we, talk, we develop growth goals for each one. We'll talk about that later. Um, but so overview, you know, as you look at these types, there's one, the first one we'll talk about, which is kind of the, the ideal, the one we all want. And then the other four get into the kind of the main four things that we see that tend to trip people up. And they're not just practical. No, they're not, they're they're not things that like you go, Oh, uh, if I'm struggling financially, I must be one of those. No, it's not that at all. You can be very successful financially and still struggle with actually one or more of these. So let me just be clear at the outset. Um, it's not just about that. It, it is very much, as you said, it's a heart issue. Uh, it is a spiritual issue. Uh, and money is one of those things. And, and I, I actually think this is why Jesus talked more about money than almost any other topic. I believe money is the greatest barrier between people and Jesus in our world today. Uh, and has been for a long time. I think it's maybe more pronounced in our world today. Uh, but I think, you know, Jesus talked about it 2000 years ago. And if that was for a reason. Um, and I think it's gotten even uh, more to be more of an issue than it used to be then. So um, this is a huge issue spiritually um, as well as emotionally as we unpack these things. Yeah, that's great. So so would you uh, walk us through just what these five are? I, I, I know the number one or so. So for, for, for everybody listening, so we've actually posted this in the show notes. Uh, so, so whether you're on YouTube or um, or on the podcast feed, you'll see a link to what these uh, five financial 
emotional types are. But Chris, if you could kind of explain each of these five in just maybe a, a couple sentences to give people kind of an understanding uh, of what these are, and then we'll dive a little bit deeper into them. Okay. So, I mean, I could probably cover each one in like a minute or so. Great. So maybe just do Perfect. that. Uh, so the first one I said is sort of the ideal, right? That's what we call a secure steward. And a secure steward is somebody who frankly gets it. And I don't mean just gets it like in terms of how to manage money, but actually gets it spiritually as well. Yeah. Um, and, and I would tell you that this is a, a, a small minority of people today. Again, regardless of whether they look like they're doing well with money, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is somebody's spiritual and emotional relationship with money. And is that healthy? Because that impacts their relationship with God. Okay, so secure steward is somebody who, um, you know, has a, what we would say is a healthy biblical perspective about money. And so there's a couple things embedded in that. One is they understand stewardship and embrace their role as a steward, meaning they understand that they're not the owner, that God is the owner. Their job is to manage it and manage it well for him and for his glory. Okay, so when we have that kind of mindset and, and then say truly embrace that kind of mindset, it leads to some things that that uh, Jesus and Paul talked a lot about in the New Testament. It leads to generosity, for example, uh, is one of the fruits of that. Because when we really believe that God is our provider, when we understand that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and everything in the earth belongs to him, and I could recite verse after verse after verse that talks about God owning everything. When we really believe that, it actually takes the pressure off us because it's not my stuff anymore, right? I'm now, it's God's stuff. And, and he has an unlimited amount of stuff. So if he wants to have, if he wants me to have more stuff, he can get it to me, right? Now, there's some things I've got to do. And biblically, there's some responsibility I have. But okay, so a secure steward is somebody who gets that and has what I would call an abundance mentality, recognizing that God owns everything, but God is also the provider and loves me and wants to take care of me, right? So at that point, I trust him. And I'm if God calls me to share, then I am more than willing to do that because I know he's going to take care of me when I do that, right? I mean, so I, I'm trusting him. So you see the spiritual aspect of that. It's a trust relationship with God that really comes through. So that's the secure steward is kind of the, the one we all want to be, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Goals. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's the first uh, financial emotional type um, is is the one we aspire to be. So I started with that because I think it gives us a goal. And like anything else, um, the, you know, as we go through these, it's not to it's not to beat ourselves up. It's just to go, hey, how can I grow, right? How can I how can I get better? So, um, so so if you want, let's go to the second one mm -hmm. and and dig into that one. That's what we call the comfort spender. Um, the next three uh, numbers two, three, and four are people who tend to overspend. Uh, for various different reasons, like three different categories. So the comfort spender is somebody who is spending literally to soothe themselves. So a psychologist would say, okay, what is the emotional issue that they're trying to deal with? Some people deal with uh, unhealthy emotional or emotional issues in unhealthy ways. That could be through an addictive behavior like uh, drugs or alcohol. It could be pornography. It could be any number of different things, right? That's, a, you know, but, but one of those things is actually money. And so sometimes people can have an unhealthy relationship with money because they comfort themselves by their spending. So if you feel a deep sense of loss or you're grieving, or maybe you're super disappointed, you had a really bad day, or it's possible that you're, you know, just actually exuberant and you go, this is so great. 
And at the end of those emotions, for whatever reason, your answer is, therefore, I should go treat myself and go shopping. Then there's a link between the emotional and the behavior, right? So, right, so that's what we're looking for is that link. So if I am soothing my emotions by spending, you know, you know the idea of the shopaholic, okay? People joke about that phrase and there've been movies that kind of address a little bit and somewhat tongue in cheek, but it's a serious thing. There's some people who really have a problem because mm-hmm. in the extreme, this could be an, a, what we call a compulsive behavior where somebody is, feels compelled to spend because they're emotionally off balance. Yeah. Okay, so that's the, that's the big picture on that one. We can drill down into it if you'd like as well. Um, so, um, maybe we can get to, uh, we'll talk about growth goals later, but maybe let's keep moving through the, through the, yeah, that the sounds great. Does that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Whatever you guys want, it's great with me. Um, so number three would be a self-worth spender. We tried to name them by the way, intuitively, that was part of the thing. So <laughs> yeah, no, it makes sense. It's great. <laughs> so comfort spender, you're spending cause you're, you want, you're trying to comfort yourself. Um, uh, a, a self-worth spender. Uh, is somebody who is struggling with their identity. And again, this is a spiritual issue because if your identity is firmly rooted in Christ, this is how you can overcome this one to a certain extent. Um, but it gets to how I view myself. So mm-hmm. a self-worth spender is trying to either create or reinforce an identity, a public identity. Well, actually it could be public or it could literally be internal. Um, sometimes they're, 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 as Pastor Rick would sometimes say, you're, they're either seeking power, prestige, or popularity right? Mm-hmm. So what is it that they're trying to do? So I, I might think, well, I'm going to look cool to my friends if I have this certain kind of car, or if I dress a certain way and have all the right, mm-hmm. you know, the, the handbag matches my shoes and all that kind of stuff, right? For some of the ladies, like what, what you know, it can be come out in any, or as like some, some guys, it's like, I got to have the latest gadget gizmo, you know, phone, whatever it might be. So it can come out in any number of different ways. And sometimes it can be hobbies or interests. And those aren't bad things necessarily, but when our identity gets so wrapped up in some of those things that we spend beyond what we really should, now we know we're crossing a line and, and having an issue. So that's what a, a self-worth spender is, is really caught up in kind of the identity of that. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, the fourth one is what we call a careless spender. So this is somebody who comes off as like, well, I don't really care about money. I don't manage it well. They're usually disorganized. Uh, this is actually a very common category. It, it creates, creates a lot of problems in marriages where you have one that's a careless spender. Um, when they're, <laughs> frankly, when you're both careless, it's a total disaster, but that's another thing. Uh, <laughs> or can be, because um, now there's, you know, uh, there, there's no accountability, right? Both of you are <laughs> off the ranch. But um, so uh, a careless spender is, is not, not compulsive, like we talked about in an earlier category, but impulsive. So this is this is, you know, when stores have all the goodies, like by checkout, they're hoping you're going to go, oh, yeah, it's only a couple bucks. I'm, I want one of those, right? That's an impulse. And that's a very small mm-hmm. level. But an impulsive spender or somebody who's a careless spender is kind of going, ah, it's okay. It's all right. We'll figure it out later. No big deal. Um, they often, if you, this is where you say, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to teach about how to do a budget. They will go running for the door. They don't want anybody <laughs> to teach them how to do it. You know, they're, they're like, no, I don't, 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 don't don't confront me with reality kind of thing, right? It's sometimes what it comes down to. Um, and and they, they just don't want anybody to tell them what to do. Um, they don't, they, they, you know, sometimes it'll come out in a marriage relationship. They'll say, oh, my spouse is trying to control me. Uh, you know, I'm a free spirit. Like things can come out that way. Um, so anyway, that's what the careless spender is, but it, it just often leads to overspending because they're not 
holding to a plan. They're not really have any having kind of a rationale of their spending plan, things like that. So mm-hmm. that's what the careless spender is. Again, very, very common. Um, and uh, uh, anyway, hopefully that, that makes sense. And, and yeah. people mm-hmm. can, can see that if they're, if they're in that category, hopefully they can identify, yeah, that, that's me, you know, sometimes. Maybe it's not all the time, but maybe sometimes. So on the, on the, uh, the little handout, uh, Jason, that you, you posted, Mm-hmm. Um, each one of these has little questions you can ask underneath. So it kind of helps you identify. So for example, with careless spender, um, some of the questions there is, do I think a budget is unnecessary? Am I often unaware of how much money's in my checking account? So there's some questions you can, you can ask yourself to go, this sounds like me, is this me? And if you, if you look at the questions and the answer to those tends to be, oh yeah, that's probably me. Then, right. Mm-hmm. Then it kind of helps you identify that. Um, now the last one is different. Okay. We talked about the, the ideal, right? The, 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 the um, secure steward. And then we talked about three that kind of have spending issues. The last one is, is different and it's sort of in its own area. And that's what we call the security seeker. So this is somebody who is seeking security through their finances. Um, sometimes it comes out of childhood uh, because they grew up very, very poor and have said, I will never let that happen in my household or for my kids or whatever. Um, and so but they identify, you know, they kind of see money as that which can care for them, right? Mm, and there's mm-hmm. some truth to that because, you know, we all need money to, to, to live. I mean, that's just part of life, right? We got to pay our mortgage or pay rent or whatever, pay your utilities. I mean, you, you buy food, like we, we need money for certain things, right? Um, but security seeker kind of goes beyond the normal, hey, I believe it's God's and I know he's going to take care of me and I'm going to use his money to, to take care of me. This is now becoming like a safety blanket. Okay. Um, so, um, one of the big issues that from a Christian perspective in particular, that a security seeker will struggle with is generosity. Um, what's interesting is, and I'll tell you, this is, this is my root, uh, financial emotional type. This is where I came from. And it actually is the reason that I did so well in financial services that people saw me as somebody who's very good at managing money because frankly, I, I was, uh, and, I, and I, I'm good at man. That's just I am, okay. But however, that doesn't necessarily come out of a healthy place. So sometimes mm-hmm. that can come out of a an issue of insecurity of like I've got to have more or else I'm not going to be okay, right? Mm-hmm. And so therefore, when you go, okay, wait, because the Bible teaches us very clearly that as a Christian, we are all called to live generous lives, meaning we have to be willing to share what God has given us with others when we're called to do so. And a security seeker has trouble sharing because it's like, wait a minute, if I share, then I won't have enough left, right? I, mm-hmm. what, if I, what if I get older and I don't have enough? And, and if, you, if you dig into the spiritual side of that, what you see is now I'm not trusting in God for my provision anymore. I'm now trusting in stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's the fatal flaw there that we now have um, instead of trusting in our creator and in a relationship with God, we're now trusting in stuff. And so mm-hmm. that's, you see where that gets to be a problem. What's interesting is when we look at all of our volunteers uh, here at the church, um, and we, when we first introduced this many years ago and asked them to identify kind of what their route would be, more than half of them are security seekers. Okay. Mm-hmm. And these are our volunteers in our financial ministry. And it wasn't a surprise to me, but it was kind of I think to a lot of them, but keep in mind, these are people who, again, are good at managing money, right? They like the idea of managing money well, because they want it to be, they want to take care of the money well, because in their mind, they think the money's going to take care of them in return. 
Mm-hmm. And, and there's some truth to that, right? I mean, there is. And frankly, biblically, we are supposed to manage money well. It's God's money. We're supposed to do that. But we don't want to misplace the motivation for that. So anyway, so those are the five. Good. Um, and I hope just by going through those and taking a couple minutes on each one, people get a sense for, you know, again, where, <laughs> where are you? Like which one, yeah. which category fits? And again, sometimes there's a little bit of two and, and, and that's okay or whatever. So um, the, the trick, I yeah. think, for most people is sort of that gives a starting point, you know? It's, yeah, for yeah, sure. Well, so Chris, when I heard you share this, right, you shared this in Treasured Moms um, last season, I remember... <laughs> As I'm listening, I'm like, retail acquisition therapy, check. Um, I need to feel better about myself, check. I was like, <laughs> I think I've done most of these. And I think I even said that out loud on the podcast and everybody kind of laughed. But seriously, I found this so helpful. And especially when the list- listeners go back and read through the questions and self-identify, it was like, it was so helpful to kind of realize sort of why <laughs> I struggle sometimes the way that I do, you know, it's not just that I can't do a budget. It's not, you know, it's not just a mathematical issue. There's something in my heart, but that actually made me feel better. Cause it's like, okay, good. There's something to work on besides my math skills. Um, so <laughs> once we identify, you know, once people kind of go through the questions and think, okay, I kind of know where I fit. Um, how do we begin to, to, move from that to, you know, rewiring our hearts and minds. If it's a heart issue, then the heart has to change before anything else changes. So when these attitudes, you know, you mentioned childhood, like things could have been formed from the time we were little, how do we begin to renew our hearts and our minds, Mm. um, you know, to kind of move towards something more healthy, to move towards that secure steward? Boy, great question, Linda. And this is something that is really core to the financial ministries at Saddleback in a lot of ways. Um, and it comes right out of Romans 12 too. It's something that, that I kind of developed a long time ago. Um, the idea, you know, the Romans 12 too, many people know that verse because it, uh, in an older translation says the renewing of your mind, right? These people go, Oh, I know that phrase yeah, um, yeah. in more, you know, like NLT or some of the newer translations, they might say changing the way you think, right? The, the idea, however, is that the way you think and feel drives your behavior. In other words, if I think and feel a certain way about things, that's going to cause me to behave in a certain manner. And then ultimately that behavior leads to certain set of outcomes, right? So this is why the the feelings, because feelings drive thinking, you know, thinking and feeling sometimes while they're separate, they often are intertwined. Um, And so what we've often said about money and how to manage them is we can get back and really help people to change the way they think and feel about things then ultimately changing the behavior becomes a whole lot easier, right? Because you're now not trying to put a square peg in a round hole. You're actually letting the Holy Spirit come renew your mind, change the way you think. You're really inviting God into the process to say, how can I change as a person first? Mm -hmm. And then, because that changes who I am, how I think, right? That changes who I am. And then now my behaviors become different. And so that's what we want. Because ultimately you get change of behavior, then that'll lead you to a a healthier outcome as well, right? Which is what most people, of course, realize they want. They want a better outcome. So so as we look at this, when we get into the growth goals, just understand that's the the concept of, you know, kind of where we want to go is to recognize. So we've gone through the five types. So we now recognize. So let's say I've identified I'm one of those. Now the question is, okay, what do I do with that, right? And that's kind of what you're asking is where do we go with it? Right. Right. 
And so I wanted to just sort of start by saying, you know, we, we do have to recognize this isn't just like, oh, now I know what I am. Boom, I can fix that. It's not that yeah, simple, no. <laughs> right? Because we're now inviting God into a process and saying, God, I want you to come in and really change me, right? So right. this isn't going to happen overnight. I mean, God can do miracles anytime and does. But, but for most of us, it's going to be a process where we have to do our part too and work with God to allow him to change us, right? Because part of that is God wanting to uh, disciple us and grow us. And, you know, uh, it's like working out our salvation with fear and trembling, right? It's that, it's that the idea of walking with him over a period of time and growing in a relationship. With him. So, okay. So all that to say, um, the first one's easy because the secure steward is kind of what you want to be. So they're really the growth goals. They're, they're, we didn't put any growth goals for that one, right? Because <laughs> yeah, frankly, perfect. most of us are trying to get there. Like that's kind of right. the, the finish line, if we will. And it doesn't mean we even if you consider yourself a secure steward, it doesn't mean there's nothing else you can do, of course, but you're in a healthy place already, right? So I think self-evaluation at that point is easier. So let's go on to the second one, uh, the comfort spender. So the growth goal for the comfort spender is really, again, first understanding that if I am spending money to soothe myself, one of the, the first, by, you know what, let me say something else at the outset. I think this is really important because Jen and I learned a lot of this concept from a couple named Milan and Kay Yurkovich, who've been involved with Saddleback mm -hmm. for a long, long time. They have a book called How We Love, which is really a marriage book. But I would tell you, it's not just about marriage. It's really about understanding yourself and your emotions and how they impact behavior. In psychology, uh, they would call that attachment theory, which has become very, very popular and, yeah. and uh, accepted mm -hmm. in psychology for the last couple of decades. Milan and Kay wrote this book, which Jen and I love because it kind of took this concept of attachment theory and broke it down so regular people could understand it and apply it. Right. And I thought that is brilliant and I loved it. And so what Jen and I have done is that same concept, we took the idea that they did around emotions relating to kind of marriage and interaction in that context to then how do we how do we apply this in a financial realm? And so that's where that came from. So I just kind of wanted to acknowledge that because um, I'm really grateful to them and, and their thinking in this space that really helped sure, us yeah. do this. So, Definitely. You know, um, just to, just to kind of acknowledge it and give give uh, the kudos where they're due. Um, uh, so the comfort spender again, identifying like, okay, here's what's going on. So if I'm a comfort spender and I realize, man, when I get upset, yeah, I, I tend to need to go to the mall or and actually, you know what? As much as I love shopping online, I was an early adopter because it just makes life really easy. And I frankly, most people, I don't like shopping, but for a compulsive spender. Uh, Oh boy, online shopping is dangerous <laughs> because everything's at your fingertips and it shows up at your door two days later or whatever. Um, and it's really easy to get off track if you're not careful. So um, anyhow, so if that's you, if, if you're trying to soothe yourself, if you identify that, um, that now the question is um, understanding what are those feelings that tend to drive you towards that behavior? Now, because everybody's different. For some people, it's a feeling of, um, you know, maybe if I get really anxious, you know, treating myself, you know, can all of a sudden, ah, okay, I, you know, I deserved it. Maybe and so where, whatever kind of insecurity that comes out of, but that kind of soothing can help. So if you can identify what are the actual feelings that are leading you to the behavior. So, so what I'd say is the place to start is um, every time you're going to spend money and you have to come up with some way to remind yourself, but anytime you're going to spend money, um, Ask yourself, why am I doing it? 
right? Yeah. What, what, what am I, and how am I feeling right now? So if it's like, if you're on your way to the mall, the key question is, you know, and you want to go into Nordstrom's or Bloomingdale's or whatever store is your thing, how am I feeling when I go to that store? And that is a big thing because if, if feelings are driving your behavior, that'll help you to understand what it is, right? It's again, it's that awareness that's going to help us to start, uh, start changing our behavior. So then to say, okay, I realize, okay, that's what the root is. What's that coming from? And for some people, there's some really deeply seated issues in their life that, that may, you know, it may benefit from some counseling even. Um, and, and, you know, that's, for any of these categories, I always think counseling can be a very helpful thing for a lot of people, but a, a lot of these things we can uncover and work on on our, on our own as well, right? So if I can say, oh gosh, I'm on my way to the mall, why am I doing this? How am I feeling right now? And I realize, oh my gosh, I am super upset. I feel, you know, my boss yelled at me today and I'm super upset and I'm feeling down and I feel like if I treat myself, that'll make me feel better, right? If that's what's going on, okay, wait a minute, let's back up a couple sentences. My boss yelled at me and therefore I feel how, what, what are the feeling words? And you'll see um, actually on this page that we've got a list of feeling words at the, um, on the, it's actually under the um, discovery questions page, uh, which we'll put as a separate attachment. And you can look at those feeling words and it'll help you identify Cause for some people, even knowing how you're feeling can be difficult. Um, you know, somebody's kind of emotionally avoidant, then even really understanding how you're feeling yeah. can be a difficult place to, it's just not something that they're conversant in. So um, again, understanding that. So those feeling words can be really helpful. And even you look at that little list and go, okay, it, which one describes right now how I'm feeling? And sometimes looking at a list can be very helpful. And sometimes even printing out that list and, you know, stick it in your car or your wallet or whatever. And so you've got it close by. So if you need a, a little tool, you've got it. Or, you know, take a picture on your phone and you can pull it up. Whatever works for you, but I have those feeling words close by. So again, identifying the feelings that are leading to the behavior. And you'll find it in all of these different uh, categories. That's sort of the first place to start. Well, yeah. And that's what I loved about how you did the growth goals for each of these, as you were saying, is they all start with these questions of kind of some self-reflection of just, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's that encouragement to take a step back, you know, to kind of think about, okay, what's, What's going on here? How am I, you know, how am I feeling? What's going on in my life? You know, let me actually think through this a financial choice I'm about to make, whatever it is, right? And then, it, it, but then it always points back to, okay, um, how can I talk with God about this? Like, is there something, is, is this something I can bring to God? Say, God, I, I, I recognize if it's, for example, if it's the comfort spender one, like, like I'm feeling uneasy right now. I'm feeling mm -hmm. unknown. I'm feeling unloved. I'm feeling, mm -hmm. un, uh, you know, so, and, and I was, a, and my tendency is to look towards, you know, things being able to procure things to, for that. And, but really, I, I, I just want to come and spend time with you. And same thing with the self-worth spender is that same thing of God, I was looking at something else for my identity instead of looking at you and with the careless spender god i wasn't being the good uh, the steward that you've called me to be and i need to mm -hmm. you know in, in, instead i need to spend time with you as as not just my father but as a giver you have given me things and that that i am called to be responsible over and you know, so, so so that's what i love about these growth goals growth goals overall 
is that is it encourages you to kind of ask yourself some questions, but then it points you back to, okay, how can I talk with God? How can I talk with my spouse? How can I talk with my accountability partner, whatever it is, mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. encourages you to have somebody who is walking with you in these, right? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, so I, so I, I do, I highly encourage each person who's listening to download the sheet and go back and, and read through all of these because there's, it's super helpful to be able to think about um, this idea that, that I can renew my mind by pausing, <laughs> right? <laughs> and just reflecting and then just kind of bringing God into the conversation, into the equation about your spending mm. is, is actuating Romans 12 too <laughs> in your life. Absolutely. And- <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, it's kind of cool. This works really great for finances, but it also works for almost everything else in life. Well, and that's exactly where I wanted to take this. Um, so, so, you know, I think we're on the same wavelength here is I, I, I wanted to ask you basically like, because like we've all dealt with some problems financially, is we can understand, we can have a grasp of a financial difficulty in our life. But what I was asked, what I was hoping that you could speak on a little bit is how our financial issues also tend to play out in other areas of our life. How can a financial struggle also impact someone's emotional health or relational health or spiritual health? How does it relate to all these other areas? of our life. Yeah, because they're in many ways intertwined. So uh, one of the things that's nice about money is because it is mathematical and, and you know, it's easily defined in many ways. Um, it can be a great identifier. So if somebody says to me, um, you know, I struggle with credit card debt, right? I've always struggled with, you know, this debt thing, and I can't seem to figure out how to, how to get better about it. Well, again, to me, there's some emotional issues there because ultimately when, you, when you're trying to figure out now, some of those things can be uh, th- that can happen to somebody because they get laid off or they get sick or there's some things like that that are, you know, kind of unplanned things that can affect you. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking yeah. about somebody who has you know, struggled with it over time. They've got a consistent job um, and they some for some reason can't balance their budget. Um, and, you know, the, the left side of my brain would say, OK, teach them how to do a budget. Because it's, you know, it's only like second, third grade math. It shouldn't be that hard. Everybody can figure it out, which is true. And yet then, wait a minute, why don't people actually do it? Now we're to the right side of the brain. Now we're getting emotional, right? So, and that's why this is so important. So it does tie into, and I I would say, again, the context of of original, the creation of these models had to do with, Jen and I were speaking in a marriage conference. So that's where it started. But then we thought, gosh, this applies to everybody and everything. So let's, you know, let's kind of go through it. And so you'll see, uh, Jason, to your point, the, the idea is when we're getting to the growth goals, you talk, we, what we, one of the phrases we use is bring it into relationship. So the idea is when I, when I identify a struggle, when I realize, okay, this is how I'm feeling on my way to the mall on that one example, what do I do now? Right. And this is where our relationship with God can really grow because the next step is to, to go to God and say, all right, Lord, here's what's happening. Help me to understand myself. You already get me. I don't get me yet. Like, so what, how do I, how do I grow in that? If you're married, it's great to then bring that into relationship with your spouse. If you're not married, maybe you have an accountability partner or a small group mm-hmm. that you can discuss this with, right? Again, just like anything else in life, if there's anything else, that's a struggle Always, we should bring it to God, but we should also have other people that we can talk to about it that can help us and give us feedback and accountability. 
So this applies to greater life issues, absolutely. But I think um, money can be symptomatic of other issues in life too, right? Because like I said, so let me go to the, the self-worth spender. Rather than going through the whole thing, the same concept is going on. When you're spending money, what are the emotions that are leading you to spend money? So if you're going to buy a new car and you think, well, I could buy a car for this much that would get me to work and back, but I really want, I'm going to spend another $15,000 more for this other car because why? Like what the, <laughs> the pause, like pause, dot, dot, dot. What's the question? Why am I spending that extra money? Well, uh, it's, it's just, I like it, right? It's it has really a cool. sleeker design, Chris. Right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, cooler. My go, I want my friends to say, wow, Chris, that's a cool car, right? That's so, right? That's so, where is that coming from? What are the emotions behind that? Because I've got to recognize I'm spending God's money. Now, this doesn't mean, by the way, let me just be really clear. I'm not saying that Christians are not supposed to have nice cars. I am not saying Christians are not supposed to have nice houses. That's not the point. God, God is our provider, and we need to go to Him to ask, God, what is it you want me to do with your money? What The Bible never dictates. This is the lifestyle that Christians are supposed to have. But if we go to him and seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and say, Lord, what is it that you want me to do with your money? And then listen to him. That creates a, a great conversation with our, with our Lord, right? Now he can then speak into us and we're opening ourselves up to hearing from him and listening. Okay, you're my shepherd. You're my provider. What, what do you want me to do, God? And then we can listen to him and do what he wants us to do, right? And that's how yeah. we learn to be content. You know, Paul said we got to learn to be content. It's a, it's like a discipline. We've got to mm-hmm. decide to be content and learn how to do that. So I have a question. What if a husband and wife are doing this together and they realize that they are completely separate? One's a comfort spender. One's, you know, how do you, you know, now you've got two very different problems. How do they work together through that what do you do when you I mean the to- obvious solution is the octagon right is you just put them into the <laughs> battle royale but but in terms of the unobvious chris what is another possible you know so when the octagon is not the option <laughs> yeah that's a great question so um it's very common for couples to have what we would call you know money fights where they're arguing about finances um, th- that's very common in most marriages. Um, so th- by the way, and, and let me just say this as a point of encouragement, when we start to figure this out, you will have less money fights. That's one of the great benefits of this. So if that's, if that's a, a flashpoint in your marriage, like a, a difficult thing, if you really start working on this and I'll say solve, but there's never like a hundred percent fix. It's not that, but if you, if you can grow in this area, then you will find your marriage will become a lot better and you'll have a lot less conflict. Okay, so that's the that's the encouragement here. Um, uh, and Linda, you're absolutely right. Most couples are not the same type, right? Opposites attract. Um, unfortunately, mm-hmm. once you get married, opposites attack. And that's right. where money fights come from. Yep. And um, so let's say you've got one uh, spouse that is a uh, careless spender, right? They're, they're just, they don't want... Um, Anybody telling them what to do with money? They don't. Now, emotionally, we don't really get too far into this one, but you can see the questions there. And, you know, where does this impulse come from? And, and what are the roots of it? Again, sometimes it can come from, uh, this can actually come from somebody who grew up um, without boundaries and they saw parents, you know, not managing money well. And they just sort of learned that that's how you do things. It could be something as simple as that. Um, but it could also have some deep emotional roots where, 
I don't want like somebody, for example, who had a very controlling spouse and has now gone through a divorce. And now they don't want anybody else to tell them what to do because they felt so controlled that if an earlier season in their life, that it may come from that. Okay. So again, these, some of these emotional things can be very deeply rooted. Yeah. And so let's say you're in a second marriage and one spouse is going, you, you're, you're, you, you have to stop controlling me. And the other spouse is going, look, I'm not trying to control you, but you keep bouncing checks and spending money we don't have. And we're in trouble. You see, so, cause the other spouse is the security seeker and they, they want everything done. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So what do you do? Because in effect, they're both dealing with real emotions that, that cause, you know, they're, they're real, they're real emotions. They feel a certain way. Those are, those are feelings that are absolutely valid. Okay. But they're now in conflict. So how do we work through that? And so again, sometimes, in, you know, in, it is helpful to go through counseling and just talk about this yeah. stuff and have somebody else there to, in effect, you know, I don't like the octagon example, Jason, to be fair, but maybe like a referee here. You need like a mediator. <laughs> somebody else that can help you kind of, you know, keep the conversations on track and so forth. Um, um, but even working on it together to recognize, and, and one of the things that, that I think is really helpful that I've seen a lot of couples get to is when you start to understand and bring this into relationship. So if somebody says, Hey, listen, I understand that some of my spending has not been the best. And I, I realize that that's not kind of as a couple, what, what, where we want to go over the next 10 years. This isn't, this isn't, this kind of spending pattern is not going to be healthy for us long-term. I recognize that. And let me tell you a little bit about where I think this is coming from. And this is why the self-evaluation is so important, because if I realize that that came from maybe childhood or something that happened as a teenager or a previous marriage, whatever it is, wherever in life, but I can identify those emotional roots. If I can bring those to my spouse and say, listen, I know this is upsetting you. You don't like the way I'm doing things, but let me just, if you can just listen, let me tell you why I'm doing this, like where this is coming from and openly share that, right? Now, the other spouse has a really important place here because what you don't want to do is criticize or step on somebody because now we're not talking about behavior. We're now talking about emotions that are deeply rooted from pain oftentimes in the past. So we have to now be very sympathetic and empathetic with our spouse to say, if my spouse is bringing this to me, I want to love my spouse well and say, okay, wow, I didn't realize that's what's going on. Let's work through this together, right? I mean, that's, that's the heart that we want to get to. And if you're, if you're single, um, you know, you're not having money fights with yourself, but on the other hand, you kind of do because you what could. Is, yeah. yeah, you kind of do. And it may sound like a little, a little silly and I don't mean it that way, but if you're, if you're a careless spender, and, you know, you wake up on Saturday morning and you realize, oh, my gosh, like uh, two nights this week, I went and stopped and went shopping on the way home. And now my credit card is going to bill is going to hit in a couple of weeks and I can't pay it. And, you know, uh, it's like a hangover. You know what I'm saying? Like, so mm. even if it's just you, you're, you're going to be internally conflicted with that. Yeah. So, again, that's where an accountability partner, small group. Uh, this is why, you know, discipleship. Uh, some aspects of it need to be done in community. And we want, want encourage you to bring this into community so you can work on it with whoever your trusted confidant is in that space. Well, it sounds like, uh, especially as we're talking about um, relationships and maybe having with what Linda was asking about the uh, spouse, you know, issue, it, it may be something that you need to go back and listen to like the series we just did on re-engaging relationships, you know, there, you know and, and take some of these, 
things that we talked about in a different arena, but they do kind of make sense to talk about here, especially if you're talking about being vulnerable and just talking about things that you aren't seeing eye to eye on. These all kind of make sense um, in this. So yeah, definitely, definitely agree with the importance of the relationship element in all of this. Uh, Chris, I want to tie a bow on our conversation here. And I wanted to just kind of um, ask you basically where it's a good place for people to start. Like we are going to put the, the these um, notes up in the show notes. So, so obviously, as we've mentioned earlier, we highly encourage you to check these out, but um, and then I also wanted to, to mention that we actually are doing a financial freedom workshop um, on campus coming up um, in the fall. So if you're interested in that, be sure to check out saddleback.com slash financial health for more info on that coming up or, or just email us at maturity at saddleback.com and we'll send you info as soon as all that stuff gets planned out. Um, but what are some other great kind of tools or resources or books, whatever it is that mm. you would encourage people to kind of start to pick up, start to dive into if they want to start taking steps towards financial health? Great question, Jason. There's a, actually, there's a lot. I mean, I could probably list you a ton of books, but let me just mention a couple that I think would be helpful, particularly in the context of this conversation. One of my favorite books about uh, financial stewardship is by Randy Alcorning. It's just called Managing God's Money. It's a little paperback. Uh, I'm pretty sure you can get it on Amazon or wherever, mm -hmm. you, you know, uh, you can just go online, but it's, it's called managing God's money. Again, Randy Alcorn, he's a great writer. Um, uh, and, and I think what he did, he took a lot of stewardship concepts and boiled them down to a pretty simple book. That's not, it's not complicated. It's not difficult to read or, you know, convoluted or anything like that. It's a great, and I, I just love it because I think he does a great job addressing a lot of basic issues around biblical finances. Okay. So that's one of my favorite books to recommend, frankly. Um, so a book is something you can learn and that kind of stuff, but then how do we put things into practice? Um, the financial freedom workshop absolutely is a great thing to do. Um, one of the other things that I would suggest um, is if you are, uh, you know, near the Lake Forest campus of Saddleback, if you're in Southern California, Financial coaching um, is a phenomenal ministry. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, these are people who they give their time. This is what they do. They want to help people. And God's sort of called them to, to, to serve in this ministry and talk to them about um, finances. But also, if you can identify, if you're married, if you can identify, here's our two types and here's where we're struggling, they can help you put some tools into place and kind of, you know, um, and so forth. Um, so, uh, another book that I would suggest actually is not a financial book. It's a book I referenced before, but if you're struggling with some of this emotional stuff, uh, How We Love, I think is a great book. And mm -hmm. if you're single, don't read it as a marriage book, read it as a self-discovery book. Um, mm -hmm. I really think it's great for that to help you learn more about yourself and how you feel and why. Um, I think, cause that's what we're talking about today and then take it to, okay, how do I apply that into my finances? I was just going to say, like, that's a great note of reading it about yourself because 10, you know, obviously if we read it in a marriage or read it with somebody, like we tend to think about it in terms of the other person. Wow. Like, I wonder what the other <laughs> oh, person that's is. What you know, you and, are. and you completely yeah. forget about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How to, how to make things worse. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's your fault. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So, so the, I mean, I would start with those two books. I think that the financial freedom workshop is great. And, and here's why the, the workshop is so powerful. It's not just the knowledge that you're going to gain from it because you can do it online. It was offered online during COVID and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but
But frankly, the, the, the effectiveness of that class comes from sitting at a table and you don't have to, but let me just be really clear. You don't have to share all your personal details with everybody. It's not about that, okay? However, if we start to share with our group about, here's how I'm feeling about things, here's what my pattern has been, here's where I struggle. You don't have to give any numbers or anything like that. So sometimes people feel like, oh my gosh, if I come to this class, they're gonna know everything. <laughs> no, no, you share what you wanna share, right? Okay, so it's a safe place. Um, but at the same time, understanding that others are going on the same on a similar journey at the same time can be very powerful. Mm -hmm. And what we found is for most people, instead of just, you know, reading something and going, OK, I'm going to go do that, which, by the way, most of the time doesn't really work very well because we don't stick to it. Mm -hmm. right. The workshop, because it goes over a period of six or seven weeks, you then have the ability, you know, you're working with things on and you build good habits and you've got coaches that can you know, kind of walk you through it. So I think the financial freedom workshop is a phenomenal tool and has been, and it's really effective. Yeah. I mean, hundreds of families at Saddleback over the years has been, have been, been have benefited from it. It's been great. So, um, but even, you know, if, even the website, you want some tools, go to saddleback.com slash personal finances, and you'll see there's some videos. Some, we did a financial workshop here a number of years ago, but there's some classes on there. You can check out videos. There's a budget workshop that will give you some basic tools and some biblical knowledge at the same time. So there's a lot of really good stuff on the website. Um, and don't be afraid to raise your hand and ask for help. I mean, uh, Jason, you mentioned the the, the, the the maturity email, but there's also financial freedom at saddleback.com as an email. You can email specifically to the financial ministries. And That's great. they'll plug you in. They'll, they'll, and they'll call you back and go, hey, what are you looking for? And plug you in and give you ideas too. So yeah. uh, don't feel like you got to be the lone ranger and figure it all out yourself. You know, ask for help. Yeah, that yeah, that's great. I, I I just wanted to clarify. Um, I mentioned saddlebike.com slash financial health, and Chris mentioned saddlebike.com slash personal finances. They take you to the same site. They're the same thing. Oh, perfect. So I just I, I just wanted to clarify that in case you were thinking or, or writing down all of these these different websites, they're the same thing. Um so that's great. Yes, a ton of resources available. And that's because, as Chris said at the beginning, when he was first starting with the church, he kind of realized there wasn't a whole ton of resources available um, in churches, especially to help people with this area of financial health. And, and we've taken that seriously. And that's something that we truly believe that financial health is one of these kind of main areas of your life, of your health, and it relates to all these different areas of your life and health. And so, so health in, or I should say imbalance in one will affect others. And so that's why we take this super seriously and we uh, want to come alongside you. We have great volunteers who are ready to come alongside you and help you um, in this. So Chris, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for all of your wisdom, especially around these financial emotional types. Um, we're super excited. And again, all this stuff will be in the show notes. We'll have links to basically every single thing that yeah. we just talked about, <laughs> um, which is great for you to, you know, take some time and explore deeper. So Chris, thanks for being on. Um, it won't be four years until we have you on again. I, I can guarantee that. Um, so, so thanks again, Chris. Really appreciate your time, man. Thanks, Jason, Linda. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, everybody. We will be back on again next week. I think, um, you know what, our schedule changes every now and then. But if things stay to plan, we're going to enter into a new uh, series, um, diving deep into a book. I, I'm not going to say more than that, because who knows, things can change. Uh, so friends, we love you. We are praying for you uh, always. And we, and we just appreciate you being with us uh, every week. So we will uh, talk to you again next Tuesday. 
If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you are already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes. And go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question might just inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Jason Whelan, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Mm-hmm.